Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. to another episode of Sharp Lesson Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. I'm Ben Wittenstein. We've got the professor, Nate Jacobson. No Michael Rizzo this week, so we have in his spot, Kate Constable joining us. Kate, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate having you on, talking some betting. Um, and just to give a people a little background of, of your betting and, and what you've been doing, uh, what type of sports do you like to bet? What have you been betting the past couple weeks? Because I know Nate loves the golf. I love NBA. So what what have you been up to the past couple of weeks betting wise? I have been betting a ton of NBA. That's kind of been my bread and butter this season. Watched way more of that this year than I probably ever have. Um, and gotten into some props there. I always stay away from the over under. I'm really not great at, at figuring that out, but um, had some success with props. And yeah, it's been fun. Kate, what's some of your strategies when it comes to betting the NBA, including props? And also, how long have you started start have you been betting for? Has it been a, a thing you've always been interested in, or is it kind of like the riding the wave of momentum that sports betting has had in this country? I got into it probably two years ago or so, but I actually learned what I was doing and how to be smart with my bets probably within the last year before I would just kind of bet on whatever team I thought was thought was going to win or whatever team I liked because it added some fun to the game to watching it. But uh, this past year, I've really started to study the team, study trends, um, learn how to manage my bankroll better, which um, has been a positive for me. Um, and then when it comes to betting props, it's just kind of trying to find the edge there, which probably sounds cliche, but is a line inflated because of a big performance a player had the night before or looking at matchups. I mean, Whoever Trey Young is guarding, one of the worst defenders in the league, you know, if if, if he's on Kyrie, is Kyrie going to go off that night? So finding little ways um, that you can get an edge based on matchups and things like that. Well, I think yeah. you'll be a good fit for that this podcast because that's something we like to look at past performances, outlier performances, and try yeah. to find the buy low and sell high. So uh, yeah, it's you know you said you're you're you've learned a lot, and I've been doing this for five or six years and I still learning every day. And, and bankroll management is, is still one of the toughest things, but it's it actually is. one of the, it's actually maybe even more important than picking winners, uh, knowing how much to allot money wise. So I think it's a struggle we all deal with, but we could all help each other together. Yeah. I'm still trying to get Nate to help me manage my bankroll and uh, <laughs> hasn't been working yet, but maybe, maybe one of these episodes we'll have just like a manage your bankroll episodes and we can, we can have you teach everyone how to manage your bankroll. Cause that's something I also need to uh, be better <laughs> come football season. Um, but yeah, Kate, we love, we love having you on. We're excited. We might as well just jump into the NBA because we've got a uh, big game tonight. And then obviously we got the finals coming up next week and we already know one team in the finals with the Phoenix suns. 
um, as they win in five or they win in uh, six last night. But we have the Bucks and the Hawks coming up. Game five tonight. No Giannis. Maybe no Clint Capella. Maybe no Trey Young. Um, this could be a really dirty, messy game, possibly with no stars. Or we could see the Hawks fairly healthy with a depleted Bucks team with no Giannis. So right now the series price is the Bucks minus 125 for them to win this series. Um, it's at 2-2. Bucks minus two and a half. And Nate, you said right before we started recording, it was at minus two for the Bucks, and it ticked up to minus two and a half. Um, so just from your point of view, is that meaning people are like looking at the Bucks a lot or what, what's kind of going on there? Well, I think at Bucks minus two, it became in a situation as they just need to win the game. Um, not a lot of games in the NBA fall on one just because of late three throw um, stuff. And, and I mean, it's such a, it's just really a tough series to handicap because right now we're looking at the series price, Bucks minus 125. Going into game four at Atlanta, even before the Trey Young inactive news, they were minus 2,000 to win the series, and the Hawks on the take back were plus 900, 9 to 1 to win the series. So it was looking almost like a certainty. I mean, the Bucks were the odds on favors to win the NBA Finals. So now everything flips where the Bucks are barely odds on favorites to win this series alone. So it just, I mean, so much about the Giannis news and he's listed as doubtful, but I would be shocked if he plays. And if he doesn't play like we expect and Trey Young is back and at least Capella is active, I would only be able to look towards the Bucks in this game at a, at this number. Uh, we saw games one, the Bucks were favored by eight, closed eight, they lost. But then game two, they bounced back big and they closed minus eight and a half that game. So Giannis, maybe a six point adjustment probably makes sense on the line. But at the same time, I could see the Bucks after a really humiliating loss, even before the Giannis injury, I could see them bouncing back at home, having a lot of energy and the Hawks coming kind of coming off that like perfect game where they really focused in maybe having a letdown. So for me, it's Bucks or pass. I wouldn't blame anyone for passing, just given who knows without Giannis what the books will look like, especially because it takes a huge uh, hit to their depth. Uh, but for me, I would only be able to look for the Bucks. And if Trey Young is ruled in and the Hawks become the favorite, I would definitely probably be on the Bucks tonight. Yeah, I, I I don't think I could bet a winner in this game. I have been burned multiple times by this series, and it's been the same with the Suns Clippers and. It's just been bad for me in the in the conference finals, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. But with with the Bucks, you just never know what they're going to come out, what they're going to show. Um, and I kind of agree with you, Nate, with that. If they if they become the underdog, if Trey plays for sure and Clint Capella plays for sure, and we know Giannis isn't going to play, that might be a good spot to hit the Bucks as the underdog because you get that value with them playing at home. Um, but the thing I'm probably going to look at for this game is just go quarter by quarter or just by half. Um, I love them coming out with a lot of energy, even without Giannis at home. They usually play well in the first half, first quarter. Um, so maybe hit those first quarter spreads, first quarter, first half line. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know if that's something you're looking at, Kate, or if if you're even just saying I might just stay away from this in, in total. No, that's exactly what I was looking at. I'm staying away from the total. I'm staying away from money line. Um, but I like the Bucks first half minus one and a half. Uh, like you said, they've come out and played really well at home. Uh, and then with the performance they put up last week, the dud they laid, the, the egg they laid in Atlanta, 
how do you come back to your home floor and do the same thing? So I think, like you said, they come out really strong tonight. I've bet that a couple times um, throughout this series and throughout the net series and have been pretty successful. So I like that. Um, I agree with you there that the first half or first quarter um, Bucks move is, is the right move. And we see a lot when a player gets injured, especially a star player, a team will kind of for that at least one game rally around the injury. It happens a lot in football, where in the NFL, we have been able to have some success betting on teams who lose their starting quarterback. It's the backup's first game. Uh, the team really focuses, and they want to kind of help the backup out. And there is an overreaction in the line, uh, thinking the drop-off between the starter and backup is, is much greater than it is. So I think this is kind of the example in the NBA, where even though the Bucks lack depth, the Hawks still have those injury concerns with Trey Young. He might play, but he might be limited. Uh, you mentioned Capella left the game on Tuesday, so he's also a question mark, and he's a he's a big deal for Atlanta because um, he's just they don't play that many players either. They they run a, a shorter bench, especially now in the playoffs. So uh, maybe it's a little bit of a um, some rallying a rallying cry for the Bucks, especially at home. Um, I mean, they have to. Maybe the fans are probably the ones who feel really dejected because it certainly looked like they were going to the NBA Finals and play the Phoenix Suns. Literally the best time ever that they best chance ever they're going to be able to win an NBA title. And that one injury really turns anything or everything around. But we'll see what the Bucks, I guess, are made of tonight if they can bounce back, knowing that maybe. Somehow they get Giannis back for a potential NBA Finals against Phoenix. That's exactly what we saw in game three of the Suns Clippers series is Kawhi went out. Paul George is left to carry the load and everyone was betting the Suns pretty heavy that night. And the Suns or the Clippers, excuse me, end up winning. Um, so, yeah, that same thing where the, the team kind of picks up the extra slack. In the Clippers, even before that, the Clippers, when we found out Kawhi was hurt later that night, they played the Jazz. They closed like plus eight in Utah and they, they rally back to win that game. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe they were up. Whenever Kawhi went out, the next game they won. Was that in the Jazz series? Yeah, it was in the Jazz series. Kawhi okay. last game was game four. And I mean, but it also happened in the Phoenix series where Chris Paul came back for game three. So we thought we'd get maybe more of a normal Phoenix setup. And there was a little bit of line value created because Kawhi was still not in for the Clippers and he, he never was able to come back. But yeah, that, that's also kind of the example where, um, especially in professional sports, the the difference between starter and backup is sometimes uh, there's an overreaction in the lines where um, because the Clippers had a guy like Terrence Mann stand up, the, Terrence Mann step up, the difference between what Kawhi would have done and his production wasn't that great, even though the line reflects Kawhi to the drop off of like an average backup. I definitely think, especially when you have big stars get hurt, Nate, people see that just like the average better. They yeah. see that and then they just hammer the other side. And we've seen this in the NBA playoffs, as you guys mentioned with those examples. And we've seen this in the NBA regular season where someone gets hurt. Someone's being held out of the game. The market overreacts to an extent and people say, oh, they're going to be without their star. They're going to be without their big players. So they hammer the other side. And then what happens is the team that you thought wasn't going to win wins the game or they make it a game and they cover the spread. So what I've learned, especially this playoffs, and I've been burned so many times by this, is don't overreact when something like that happens. Even with someone as good as Giannis, especially with the Bucks being at home and being a team with Chris Middleton, who we saw go off for 38 points in this series already. I mean, we know he can step up. 
this might be a place, like you said, if if Trey plays and Clint Capella plays and the Hawks become favorites, might be that spot to to hit the Bucks. And also, just as a warning for player props, be weary of Bucks points because I think a lot of the players, obviously with Giannis out, you're going to see those lines inflated a little bit. Uh, Middleton's at 27 and a half. You're seeing like Brooke Lopez at 13 and a half. I mean, a lot of these lines are a little more inflated than we've usually seen. So maybe just be weary of that because you're probably not getting a very good number, even with Giannis out for something like this. Yeah, definitely. And and, and even another example related to the Bucks when they played the Nets in game two in, in Brooklyn, the Milwaukee close is a, a road favorite because that was the game that James Harden was first out for the whole game. So it was just Durant and Kyrie and the Nets won by, I may have, they won by like 30 points. So, I mean, we saw the other night, Bucks closed nine and a half about Trey Young, and then they lose by 22. A lot of that was because Giannis was missing, but they were also down 13 at halftime. So there was just a kind of a different energy from the Hawks. I don't expect them to replicate that tonight. And I can see the other side where the Bucks really bring a good energy. And that's why I like both years plays looking at the first half, knowing we'll get at least 24 good minutes rallying around their injured star. All right. So we have the NBA championship winner lines and we have a clearer picture of who that's going to be because it's going to be one of three teams at this point. It'll be Suns, Bucks or Hawks. And the Suns are the heavy favorite at minus 210, which makes sense if Giannis is going to be out for a good amount of time, if he's going to miss the finals, if the Bucks make it or if Trey Young is going to still be hurt if the Hawks make it. Um, do you guys see any value on the Bucks or Hawks at this point? Hawks are plus 550, Bucks plus 310. They, these are very... Uh, high variety lines at this point yeah i don't see any value or maybe there is value but i wouldn't bet anything if there's anything we learned this nba playoffs don't bet too far in the future even if betting a series price is dangerous because of the injuries i mentioned that the bucks were heavy favorites odds on favorites to win the championship Uh, just a few days ago i looked on tuesday morning after the suns lost the clippers and and the suns were plus 160 to win the title and the bucks were Minus 110, I believe. They were definitely um, the odds-on favorite, and now they're 3-1 to one just because of one injury. So I wouldn't touch any of these. Uh, I think that's just kind of an indicator that if the Suns, well, the Suns are in the finals, they'll have home court. And not just have home court, but they have a huge advantage right now because the next time they'll see play on the, play on the floor is Thursday, July 8th. So they have seven full days off, eight full days off, for this NBA Finals, and if Milwaukee wins tonight, Atlanta wins game six. Game seven of that series will be Monday, July 5th in Milwaukee. So then they have a very short turnaround to go to Phoenix, waiting on a Phoenix team that's well-rested. So just kind of looking ahead, uh, it's going to be probably a bigger number than it should be because of the rest advantage and home court advantage. But uh, Phoenix in game one is probably going to be a strong bet for me just because of the situation. So maybe minus 210 is even a little bit short, knowing that uh, Giannis might not come back. But also Chris Paul's injury problems and and our history of injuries in inopportune times. And and who knows, uh, other things could happen. So I wouldn't bet it, but I mean, it makes sense why the Suns are where they are. Yeah, I would agree. I'm not going to bet that now either. Um, just to echo Nate's point, I mean, we saw with the Suns Clippers series how much rest played in played a factor in that Clippers have played every other day since June 2nd. And last night, they just, you could tell they were tired and, and didn't have it and didn't have the legs. And the Suns, you know, were able to move on. 
Um, and so I just think that that's going to be a huge factor going forward, especially with the Bucks and Hawks both a little banged up. Yeah, I think I agree on that. And Monty Williams is a good enough coach we've seen to, to make adjustments and get his team ready. And they get all that time off. And Chris Paul's 36-year-old body gets uh, an extra week to rest and relax and get some massages and work out. I think that's uh, that's a pretty good bet for that Suns game one, no matter who they're playing. Yeah, the Suns, the Suns swept the Nuggets. So they had a week off before playing the Clippers. And when the Clippers beat the Jazz, they, they beat them on a Friday night. And they had to play game one of that series on a Sunday afternoon. So like 36 hours of rest. That was a pretty ridiculous spot that the NBA put the Clippers in. And as Kate mentioned, I didn't even think about that. They played every other day for a month, pretty much three and a half weeks. And that included three games in Utah where there's elevation and altitude. So that was pretty brutal that the NBA made the Clippers go through that gauntlet, kind of a hidden thing that not a lot of people are going to talk about. But now Phoenix, who already had a a week off in this playoffs, they're going to have another eight days off before they face uh, a winner of the Eastern Conference who who knows what kind of shape they're going to show up in if if their star players are both having either are injured or having lingering nagging injuries. Devin Booker's nose gets a rest too. People for, people forget yeah, that. No, that's big. That's huge. He hit the face again yesterday. That has got to hurt so bad. Well, it's funny because it's not well, kind of funny because he was wearing the mask the whole time and then the yeah. one time he takes the mask off for the game goes right for his face. That's that's tough. That is a tough break for Devin. Um, so it is July, which means at the end of the month, we have the NBA draft. July 29th, I believe, is the NBA draft. So it's never too early to start looking at some of those NBA draft props. I know, Nate, you wanted to talk a bit about this. And it seems like, at least for the first overall pick, pretty much everyone's decided it's going to be Cade Cunningham. Um, minus 10,000, I think you saw, Nate, at this point for Cade. Yeah, so a $1 or a $100 bet on Cade Cunningham to be the first pick by the Detroit Pistons or just first overall in general, um, $100 will only net you $1. Yeah, so that's pretty much set in stone and there's really no point of putting money on that one. But once you get to the second pick, things get a little more interesting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's kind of a, a three-man group, it looks like, between Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs. Uh, Evan Mobley was a star in the NCAA tournament for USC. We know Jalen Suggs because of his dramatic three-pointer for Gonzaga against UCLA. And, and I think it was was a double overtime that, that night, or maybe it was just one overtime, but um, a lot of people... Really uh, liked the play of Suggs just in that tournament. And then Jalen Green, who was in the G League. Uh, so not much is known about him in terms of the regular fan, but I'm sure scouts have been gushing over him since he was a high schooler. Uh, I think one of the interesting things, though, we have a market for the second overall pick, which is currently held by the Houston Rockets. And Evan Mobley last week opened at plus 150 behind Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs to be the second pick. And now he is the odds-on favorite at minus 118, while Green and Suggs remain at their at their opening price of plus 125. So it's very early, but if you kind of look at maybe you're looking at want to make some some mock drafts to try to figure out how the draft's going to play out, which will help your bets, you could definitely put in Sharpie, Cade Cunningham one, and maybe pencil in Evan Mobley two, and try to figure out the rest from there. Is the Cavaliers pick number three? And the Toronto Raptors moved up and are going to be picking four. I would maybe not pencil Mobley in for number two. I kind of 
like Jalen Green possibly going number two. And I mean, it's not the greatest value at plus 125, but he's still plus money. And I could see the Rockets going with the score because they do have Christian Wood, who is, you know, kind of what they hope Mobley would turn into for that type of player. So I could see them trying to complement Wood with with a score like Jalen Green. So in terms of betting drafts, and I've learned it by betting the NFL drafts the last few years, you're not betting who you think should be the number two pick in this case, or if you like a player or you don't like a player, you have to try to handicap what the other team, what the team is going to do. So, I mean, in the NFL draft, a lot of people at the third overall pick that the 49ers held didn't like Mac Jones, but all the sources were saying it's going to be Mac Jones, even though everyone liked Justin Fields or Trey Lance more. So it was one of those things when, well, all these sources and the, the betting market is indicating it's going to be Mac Jones, but we don't like him as much as the other quarterbacks. So you have to kind of throw your biases aside, like a lot of things in sports betting, and try to think of what the other team's going to do instead of trying to be the armchair scout, because there's people who uh, have been around the sport a lot longer that know what they're doing more than us, and we just kind of have to try to follow the information in the news and um, there's a limited market for the draft right now, but we're definitely going to see more stuff open up, especially as we get to probably the week of the draft. We'll see a lot more um, different ways to bet it. Right now, it's just kind of an early thing. And maybe that move on Mobley was, uh, was a false move, and maybe the limits on bets will uh, pick up or, or be raised, and then maybe that's creating some value on a, on a Green, uh, Jalen Green, as, as you mentioned, Ben. But Right now, if you read the betting market, it looks like Evan Mobley uh, is the early indicator going to be the second overall pick. And I know Kate and I were if I don't know if it's responsible to make a ton of bets this early for the NBA draft, at least keep your eye on it. But I know Kate and I did agree Corey Kispert, the under 13 and a half, where his draft position is currently at 13 and a half. I, that's the one that really stood out to me. If you're looking at making an early bet in the NBA draft. Um, I definitely can see his draft position moving lower uh, number wise. So moving higher up on the board right now, it's at 13 and a half. I do like that under for Corey Kispert. And I think we were talking about the Pelicans were probably one of those teams that might pick him up just because of his shooting. Yeah. Ben, you and I are kind of on the same page for a lot. I, in my notes, I had preparing for this show today. I had that. I liked um, Jalen green going number two as well. There we go. Um, so I like that move there. And then, yeah, with, with Kispert, especially with the draft combine having been last week, uh, he tested really well in a lot of the athletic categories. So his vertical, the shuttle run, um, and his stock jumped there a bit. And, and like you said, at 13 and a half is where he sits right now. I like him in the top 10 even. I think he's one of the best three-point shooters in this draft. And being an older player, he's a little bit more NBA ready, um, has that NBA ready body. I can kind of compare him to... Um, non-playoff Joe Harris in a way. Regular Interesting. Joe Harris, right? um, but I think he'll be a very solid NBA player. I like it. Like it. Yeah, I, I like it. And I know, I mean, obviously, till then we could see a lot of teams trading in and out of the draft, trading in and out of the top 10 even. And so, like Nate said, those team needs are going to dictate where these guys are drafted. But Corey Kispert, I think just his veteran presence, like the guy has been in college for a while. So, I mean, it's going to help out with teams who, who want some of those older guys. So that's the one name that stood out. I don't know if I'd recommend anyone else just because it's so early at this point. Yeah, actually I have a name. Uh, Jalen Johnson as over under is 10 and a half. It's juiced under, but 
I'd have to look towards the over, and this might be kind of a, a lazy narrative take, but if you remember, Jalen Johnson was the player at Duke who uh, opted out of the season in, like a few weeks before uh, the NCAA tournament, and, and not saying like he, he shouldn't have or anything, but I think his attitude the whole year was kind of bad, and, and after he, uh, he opted out, Duke kind of went on a, a mini run where maybe – he was kind of holding the team back a little bit, not in terms of skill and upside, but in just kind of like attitude and, and demeanor and stuff. And maybe during some pre-draft workouts, he struggles in those areas. And there's some red flags on him because of how his tenure at Duke went. And maybe he falls a little bit, but obviously if he's a five-star player and he went to Duke, he's an extreme talent and he's super young. I mean, it says on the, uh, on the website, his uh, birth year, 2001, uh, to his name, because I think there's oh more gosh. people than Jalen Johnson. So, I mean, teams, NFL, NBA teams love young players and love the upside. So I'm sure a few will take a chance, would look to take a chance on him. But I could see maybe that uh, line for at 10 and a half, even money on the over, maybe going up a little bit, just because of questions about how his uh, time at Duke went and maybe uh scouts and coaches ask coach k for a letter of recommendation and he doesn't give a such a great uh, approval of jalen johnson with how things ended in durham for him his birthday is december 18th of 2001 so he's almost a 2002 <laughs> child which is incredible to think someone in the nba would have been born in 2002 but yeah I, I i like that i think that's a good idea so we'll we'll talk more about the draft as it gets closer because there's going to be teams trading in and out i'm sure um, throughout the next three or four weeks that that's going on but we do have a stanley cup to talk about game three happening on friday canadian lightning with the lightning up two nothing in the series as it goes back to the canadians home ice tampa bay are minus 1250 to win the series so you can get montreal at plus 800 if you're really feeling a comeback from the canadians um the game three series line minus 137 for for the lightning uh kate i know you're big with the hockey i don't know what what you're feeling for this type of game i for this upcoming game game three i actually like the canadians to win i like them uh just being back at home they haven't been to the stanley cup finals since 1993 like the suns <laughs> um and so just having their first stanley cup final game back at home in front of their fans. I know it's a smaller crowd, but going down 2-0, being back at home, I think they come out on top on this one. I also like the over five, over under set at five right now. Um, I like the over in this one. Um, so that, that's why I'm playing. In terms of the series, I wouldn't take that series price, but I do like Tampa <laughs> Bay to win four to one. And that's at plus 200. I don't see the Canadians winning any more than one game. I think Tampa is, has just way too much uh, firepower offensively. And then with Carey Price in goal, I think he is, he's just a stud in between the, in between the bars. Um, so that, that's where I'm going. Yeah. I mean, not only did Montreal need a win last night, just to even up the series. And, and now they're in a situation they have to win four of the next five games, which seems improbable against this lightning team. But statistically Montreal was the better team last night. They outshot Tampa Bay 43 to 23. If you even look a little deeper at advanced stats and the expected goals, 
Montreal had 3.59 expected goals and Tampa only had 2.37. So Montreal really dominated the dominated the game and they bounced back and statistically played a great game. They just didn't get it done in the score sheet uh, and on the score and the box score. And I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat that performance, honestly. And it really comes down for the lightning, their goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky, because the Tampa Bay lightning, they can win shootouts, high scoring games. Like we saw them against Florida and against uh, and the Islanders where they had a few routes against the Islanders, but they're also able to grind out games with their goaltender Vesilevsky, who had a huge edge in net against whoever Florida fl- threw out there. And then whoever Carolina threw out there, both teams threw out multiple goalies. And it's really been the consistent goaltending of Tampa that's led them to this point along with the very strong play. And it also helps that Tampa Bay is operating $20 million over the cap because they were able to put, Nikita Kucherov on long-term IR for the whole regular season and strengthen the team and then bring back Kucherov for the playoffs when the salary cap doesn't apply. So it kind of helps that they uh, found some loopholes in the NHL CBA. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're clearly the best team. And a lot of it is because their goaltender who has been probably just as good as Carey Price. He just doesn't get the attention because Price has literally dragged Montreal to where they are while Tampa has legitimate offensive players. Kid, I really like that four to one at, at plus 200. I think, especially with the value that you're getting there at plus 200, I know it's tough to pick the exact end of the series, but I could see the Canadians stealing at least one, maybe one at home. And then the lightning are just so good that they can win one in Montreal. But I, I could definitely see the Canadians taking one of this game. And then that's probably it. The lightning are just so good that, I mean, I don't see them giving up more than one game. If they were to give up two, that would be, I, I would, I would have some issue with with how the Lightning would be playing, just because of how good and how high people are expecting them to play. So, four to one at plus two hundred, I think, is a really good one, a good bet to make. The Canadians are eleven and zero this postseason when they score at least um, two goals, and so they've only scored two goals this entire series, um, <laughs> and so I'm not sure. Um, what that really tells you going back to Montreal. I mean, obviously those numbers aren't really in favor of the Canadians, but I feel like they, they squeak one out this time. Yeah, and hopefully they for, play better at home. Hopefully for you guys, I know you like the over, Kate, they get three goals and they win win 3-2, so at least you are 4-2 to two or something, and then you win both bets. Because, <laughs> yeah, if I had a bet game three, I would definitely look towards Montreal in, in terms of the bounce back. But right now, Montreal plus 118 for game three. Wonder if that goes up a little bit, knowing that some uh, some hockey betters think, oh, we're getting Tampa at a very cheap price. But you have to expect a very uh, inspired effort from Montreal on Friday, uh, the first time with the uh, Stanley Cup final in in Montreal in 28 years. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. Um, I, I guess I'll just be rooting you guys on for all your all your bets because I, I don't personally have any one. Although the, the plus was a plus 200, plus 200, uh, four to one exact outcome, that might be something I just throw some money on. So I have something to root for the rest of the series. All right, we've got some soccer matches coming up Friday and Saturday, Nate, with the Euro 2020s. So what do you have for us? What uh, yeah. we obviously have the round of 16. We got the quarterfinals coming up. What uh, what have you seen and what are you expecting with these quarterfinals coming up in the next couple of days? Yeah, so we're down to eight teams at Euro 2020. We just saw the last four days, or it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the round of 16. 
The biggest takeaway from it was every team in the group of death, which was Group F, which featured Germany, France, and Portugal, and we expected that to be, you know, three contenders, a, a teams that have recently won major tournaments. They are all eliminated in the round of 16. Portugal lost to Belgium. Uh, Germany lost to England on Tuesday. And then the big surprise, France losing to Switzerland. When we'll get into that when we talk about the first quarterfinal game. But that was the big takeaway. The three teams in the group of death that made the round of 16 were eliminated. Uh, I have that Denmark future I gave out last week, plus 200 to make the semifinals. They're in a very good position right now because they won and the Netherlands lost. So now Denmark will play the Czech Republic, where they're about a minus 180 favorite to advance. So I'm going to let that ride, but feeling good about about where that's, that bet is at. And the way the bracket is setting up, England, who beat Germany, they play Ukraine, and then they play the winner of Denmark and Czech Republic. And that semifinal game would be at Wembley, and that would lead up to the final next Sunday where it looks like, based on the odds and based on some injuries for Belgium, it looks like Italy and Spain might be the teams to advance to the semifinals. Both those teams play tomorrow. So it's looking maybe like an Italy or Spain versus England at Wembley in the Euro 2020 final. So that's kind of how the bracket's set up, is Germany has left the party. France is also out of the competition, shockingly, and then and then Cristiano Ronaldo in Portugal, too, after losing to Belgium 1-0 last Sunday. Might have to uh, honor our buddy Rizzo and throw some money on Italy coming up in their matchup against Belgium. Plus 135 is pretty solid. Yeah, uh, I'll get to why. I have a bet in, I'll have a bet in three of the games uh, that aren't Denmark-Czech Republic. That will be part of the best bets. But I'll just kind of quickly run it down. So tomorrow, Spain plays Switzerland. Uh, both teams played crazy games on Monday. Both teams played games that ended 3-3 in regular time, and then Spain ends up winning 5-3 in extra time, and then Switzerland, who literally won the biggest, that was the biggest result or biggest win in the country history, beating France, a country that borders them. Switzerland always get eliminated in the uh, round of 16 of like every major tournament. Uh, they never make it to the quarterfinals. So I, I think there might be a little bit of a, a hangover effect for Switzerland after how they beat France. And, and Spain really should have beat Croatia a lot easier. They had that embarrassing own goal in the first half, and then they blew a 3-1 lead late when they really shouldn't have let Croatia have that good of scoring chances. And also, this is the early game on Friday, even though these both teams teams played on Monday, which doesn't make sense because the late game is Belgium, Italy, and both teams played on Saturday. So I can see both teams being tired um, and Spain or Switzerland especially being tired. And the way that Spain has kind of gone about the tournament, I think there actually might be some value on Spain now that they've kind of figured out their preferred starting lineup. So the way I was going to play it was Spain on the Asian handicap at 0.75, which means half your bet is on them at uh, minus 0.5, so basically to win. And then the other half of the bet is on Spain minus one. So if Spain won by one goal, I'd win half my bet. If Spain won by two goals, I'd win both bets or the whole bet. Uh, And then if Spain in 90 minutes lost or that game ended in a draw, I would lose the whole bet. So I'm looking towards Spain on the first quarterfinal Friday. And then the second quarterfinal Friday, as you mentioned, Rizzo's Italy. I know he's been high on Italy all tournament, and and they've been one of the more impressive teams in the tournament. And now they face a Belgian team that's missing their two best attacking 
or creative attacking players and Kevin DeBrenner and Eden Hazard. They're going to be both out, it looks like, for the game after picking up injuries against Portugal. Uh, Italy didn't really play well against Austria, though, but it was kind of classic Italy, just kind of grind it out and, and win an extra time and, and, and play very strong defensive soccer. Uh, Belgium does have depth, but missing two players like this is too much to overcome. The way I see the game, I think, based on Belgium knowing they're missing their best attacking players, uh, creative players, and Italy just kind of going back to their traditional form of kind of trying to score a goal and then packing it in, I, I can't see over three goal or more three goals or more being scored in this game. So I'm going to go back to the Asian handicap and look for under 2.25, which means basically half your bet on under two, half your bet on under two and a half for Belgium, Italy. I think this is going to be a game where it's two big countries, kind of exciting on paper, but the quality of the match will not be exciting. I like it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on. And then you have Saturday matches as well. Yeah, so Saturday, Denmark, Czech Republic. I mentioned I have the Denmark future plus 200 to make the semifinals. The match is on Baku, Azerbaijan, which is very far away, as far east of Europe as you could get. So tough travel for both teams. Um, I'm just going to hope that Denmark advances because I have a good price on them to advance in a, in a match their favorite. I guess I could consider a little hedge on the Czech Republic or maybe Czech Republic um, to, you know, on the double chance market, which means Czech Republic to win or draw in 90 minutes. Hope that happens and then Denmark wins an extra time. But I think I'm going to let it ride out because I, if I had to bet this game uh, and I didn't have the Denmark bet, I think I would just bet Denmark on the three-way money, money line um, in this game. Uh, they also in this game have an extra day of rest because Denmark last played on Saturday and Czech Republic upset the Netherlands in uh, on Sunday in a very hot uh, climate in Budapest, Hungary. So I like Denmark in this game. And then the game that, uh, well, maybe not everyone's excited about, but England is just taking over social media like they do every Euros. It's coming home, as they always say, uh, which is a song that was created by England fans, uh, I think it was 25 <laughs> years ago when they hosted the Euro 1996. Um, I did lose the England bet that I made before the tournament on them to be eliminated at the round of 16 yeah. at plus England hater. I was an England hater, but I also don't regret making that bet because they were basically a, a coin flip against Germany, and I was getting plus 155 on England to be eliminated that round. Part of the reason why is because I didn't like England was because, well, there was many reasons, but also... England, that win against Germany was wasn't just a regular win. It was probably one of the bigger wins in the in the country's history. Uh, the last time they beat Germany in a major tournament was 55 years ago, in the World Cup 1966, which England hosted. So it was such a big emotional result for England. And now they leave London and England for the first time this whole tournament. They go to Rome to play Ukraine, who is coming off a extra time win against Sweden. So big advantage for England because Ukraine just had to play 120 minutes in, in, in uh, against Sweden on, on Tuesday, while England only needed 90 minutes to beat Germany. And now really the pass sets up for really nicely for England, where they play Ukraine, then they play the winner of Denmark, Czech Republic. And now with France out of the tournament on the other side, uh, they're priced as the favorite at about two to one, and, and that's certainly deserving. Um, 
you can beat if they beat Ukraine, then the rest of the tournaments at Wembley. So that's another advantage for them. The way I'm going to bet this game is a uh, a popular way people bet soccer that I've learned about this Euros, and it's England to win as they're a big favorite. They're about minus 250 on the three-way money line, but parlaying that with under three and a half goals. All of England's matches this tournament have gone under two and a half goals. Ukraine is a team that they have some attacking talent, but I think they're just going to sit back and try to defend England uh, very hard. And and I don't think Ukraine is going to be able to score. Maybe they do get a goal, but I also don't think England is going to be able to blow out a team like Ukraine off the emotional win against Germany, knowing that they have big matches ahead at Wembley as long as they advance. So I like England to win by either 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, or maybe 2-1 if Ukraine gets a goal. But England at under 3.5 goals, which you can get at about minus 115 as of this morning, is the way I'm going to bet the fourth and last quarterfinal of Euro 2020. Um, and I'll review all those bets in the bets bet section of the podcast I know we're going to get to soon. Kind of want to sprinkle a little bit on the over uh... – Point five goals for Ukraine. I think it's a plus 108 well, just just to have a little fun. Right. The reason it's just like that bit. is is England haven't given up a goal this whole tournament. Yeah. They shut out Croatia, Scotland, Czech Republic, and then Germany, even though Germany had some very good chances. Uh, maybe one reason to bet on a Ukraine goal is this is the first match where England is leaving Wembley Stadium. They're playing at the... Uh, at the stadium in Rome, I think it's the Stadio Olimpico. So maybe away from home, they get a little nervous and they concede um, without the backing of their as many home home fans as they did on Tuesday against Germany. Uh, but uh, like a lot of England matches, goals are hard to come by, and I can see yeah. th- this hap- happen on Saturday against a Ukrainian team that. I mean, it's a good story, but they also finished third place in their group. So they're even lucky to be in this point. And it was a group that turned it out to be kind of a fraudulent group because it was Netherlands and Austria were the top two teams. And we saw what happened to the Netherlands on Sunday when they played the Czech Republic. Um, and now the Netherlands coach just resigned. So uh, it was maybe some, uh, some poor results for Ukraine losing to both teams. And they were... Pretty fortunate that they were able to draw, get into the tournament at this point, and then take on uh, Sweden, who won Group E instead of Spain, who finished runner-up. So Ukraine is extremely lucky to be here, and uh, I don't expect much attacking from them and many goal opportunities against a very stout England defense. All right, let's do best bets. And Kate, you're the guest, so you get first crack. What uh, what are some games you're looking at for the next couple of days? All right. Well, I'm just going to kind of recap what I've laid out uh, throughout the previous couple minutes in the podcast. But I'm going to go with over five goals in Friday's um, Stanley Cup final game three. I'm also going to go with the Canadians money line at plus 118. Um, And then I like the Bucks minus one and a half uh, first half tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. I think like we talked about, they come out really strong after poor performance in Atlanta, back at home, maybe trying to overcompensate a little for Giannis being out. So I like them first half. Love it. Um, I, I'm going to go with that Bucks game, but I'm going to go with a player prop. Uh, Chris Middleton over two and a half threes. And this is the classic Chris Middleton bounce back game. He played very, very poorly his last game out. I think he was 0 for 7 from 3 um, in, in game four. So 
I think that he bounces back over two and a half threes, not too juiced, minus 125, minus 126, I think I saw um, at most places. So I think if you can get it for that price at over two and a half threes, he takes about seven, eight, sometimes nine threes. He may sometimes take double digit threes. And without Giannis, we may see him up his volume of three point shooting. So I think that's a very good number for Chris uh, at over two and a half threes. Stanley Cup game three, over one and a half goals in period two. And these are two teams that love scoring in the second period, apparently. Um, They scored two goals in game one in the second period combined. They scored three in game two. So I'm going to just bet on that trend continuing. Um, I think it's like minus 120. It's a a little bit juiced, but I think it's still a pretty good number um, for over one and a half goals in the second period of game three. And I'm going to make my first Major League Soccer bet of the summer. Very excited to start MLS betting. I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun to do. I think it's a little bit more predictable than um, some other soccer betting. Um, and I know, Nate, maybe you could disagree with me there. But I do love some MLS betting. Um, it's made me some good money in the past. I'm going to go with the Columbus Crew, a team that has won me some bets in the past. Um, they're plus 123. On Their matchup is on Saturday, I believe, Saturday afternoon. So, I'm going to go with the Columbus crew. I think they're a team that usually gets things done, um, especially at home. Um, and they're playing the the revolution. Um, so I'm going to go Columbus crew plus 123 for uh, the match winner there. Yeah, I haven't, I've been a lot of different sporting leagues in my life and I really don't think I've ever been on the MLS. So I wouldn't be able to answer it's that fun. question if it is, if it's easier, but Nate, no, we are more than welcome to welcome you into the MLS betting crew. If, if you were yeah. wanting to come in, it's very fun. Well, I have three Euro bets, and if those go wrong, maybe I'll ditch the European soccer and move yeah. on to the uh, the American product. Uh, in terms of the NBA, if the Bucks become an underdog, I would like them, but I'll, I'll leave that out for best bet purposes and maybe uh, just personally bet it. But my three best bets, and I explained it all in the Euro uh, 2020 section of this podcast, I like Spain, 0.75 on the Asian handicap against Switzerland in the quarterfinals tomorrow. That means Spain to win the half your bet on Spain to win the game, half your bet on Spain minus one on the match spread. And all these bets are in 90 minutes. Uh, The other one, uh, Friday, Belgium, Italy, I like under 2.25 goals, which means half on under two, half on under two and a half. I think it's going to be a very slow paced, conservative match between those two teams. And then Saturday, England to win parlayed with under three and a half total goals against Ukraine. That's about even money, minus 110. I think minus 115. I'm probably going to bet it as soon as possible because I can see some money coming in on England on match day on Saturday, especially after how they beat Germany. So three euro bets along with that pending Denmark plus 200 bet that I have. So I'll be covered on all four soccer games. So looking forward to following along the next two days. And uh, yeah, those are the three soccer best bets and the three best bets I have for the weekend and all all of sports all around the world. Yeah, lots of fun games going on today, tomorrow, into the weekend. We will be taking next Tuesday off for the July 4th holiday, but we will be back next week, next Thursday. NBA Finals betting, it's finally here. Very excited to do that. Um, and hopefully it'll be uh, Suns Bucks. That's just personally what I'm looking forward to, but we'll have to see with that series tied. Very excited for that. Good luck to everyone this weekend on your bets, and uh, we'll be back next Thursday. 